All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by the Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Oilers Nation Radio, episode 123. I'm Bag Milk here with Tyler Uremchuk, Nation Dan. Rick is gone. He's getting some booze for the pint. Reopening next week under new government regulations. Go see him for a brewski, if you will. Subbing in the one and only Josh Park. Nation Network video editor. Gentlemen, good day. Happy Friday to you. Hi, Bag Milk. Hello, hello everyone. We've got an excited <laughs> crew here to today hello. on a Friday. Holy. All right. Well, I guess we'll just jump right in by thanking our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant for making this all possible. Go ahead and follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Ford on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giant. As always, it is winterize your vehicle time. Oil change, new tires, maybe just tune up. Maybe Josh, you need a new whip in general. You head on out to see our friends at Sherwood Florida and Sherwood Park, Alberta. They would be happy to help with whatever you need. As we always do on Oilers Nation Radio, we are going to start off today's podcast with the Sherwood Ford Giant question of giant. the week. Mr. Giant. Giant. Yes, giant. sir. The Sherwood Ford Giant question of the week is centered around the big story. The Battle of Alberta returns tomorrow night. First of 10 installments in this regular season. Last year, it was heated. Probably the best the Battle of Alberta has been in a long, long time. The giant question this week, what are you expecting tomorrow night from the Battle of Alberta? Will it be heated? Will there be a lot of scraps? Will it just be a straight-up good hockey game, or will it just be a snooze fest? I can't imagine it will be, but that's the giant question. What are you expecting from the BOA tomorrow night? Sub it in first, Mr. Josh Park. What are you expecting, buddy? Well, as a driver of a Ford Escape, I'm very, very excited to answer this question. Um, I, nice. I represent I me too, buddy. Love Big Ford. Flex. 
big, big time flex. So uh, this is going to be an interesting game because I think the different approach this season is I think both teams understand that this is a four-point swing. Like, this is a big game for both teams when regards to points in the standings. When it comes to the physical intensity of it, are we going to see the same level of, you know, obviously scraps and physicality as we did last year? I, I think for the first matchup on Saturday here, I would say maybe no, but I think there's going to be a few key players that are going to help set the tone. I think we kind of saw in, in last game, Zach Yassian is starting to maybe have a little bit of a fire in him. So I think there'll be a few players that are going to kind of set the tone and then we'll see where it goes from there. Mr. Nation Dan, runner of hockeyfights.com, are you expecting some fisticuffs in the first of 10 Battles of Alberta tomorrow? I am not. Sadly, I think that this is going to be a pretty tight game. I think that the Calgary Flames are uh, are reeling right now. They they started off the season pretty well and and things are going well for in the net and, and outwards, but now they can't seem to get run support for their goalie again. And, uh, you know, the, the age-old issue for the Calgary Flames is they can't get that offense going. So, I, I just don't see it tomorrow. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think you probably have a, a one goal difference by the end of the game. And I think you, you will start to see some stuff build. There'll, there'll be some shoves here and there, but these teams are both now fighting for, you know, that playoff playoff push already. And, and you got to, these games against the, the Winnipeg's, the Vancouver's and the Calgary's of the world matter more than, uh, more than, they ever have even which is crazy to say so yeah i i I don't know i hope for it i'll be ready to go if it happens but i don't think it's happening in the first game mr Yeramchuk, do you agree with the other two no i'm gonna disagree a little bit and here's why like i understand the thinking of why it might be a little bit more tame and there it is a huge game with points on the line but last year when they played each other it was also a huge game with points on the line and i think the flames right now obviously they're struggling a little bit and i think there's a little bit of i, I think this is a chance for them to sort of wake up a little bit and establish an identity and start fighting for each other i think that's kind of been one of the big stories down in calgary so i think the flames and matt kachuk might be looking at this as an opportunity to really change the tide of their season and for the oilers we know Zach Cassian's probably going to be heavily involved. He hasn't had a great start to the year. He hasn't been classic or vintage Zach Cassian through the first 12 games here, but he started to wake up against Ottawa. And I think he might be looking at this game as I'm going to get back to vintage Zach Cassian and the battle of Alberta is a great time for him to do that. I think it's going to be interesting because the reason I get nervous with battles of Alberta is because of the emotion that goes into these games. And sometimes the Oilers, they just let it run away with them specifically like a guy like Zach Cassian, Dan and uh, Tyler, you'll remember we went down to Calgary last season. Oilers were playing a good game when we were down at the saddle dome. And then when things started to heat up a little bit, discipline became an issue. The PK couldn't sort things out. And all of a sudden, you have a loss on the board instead of a win. Is anybody concerned about discipline for the Oilers tomorrow, specifically because the, the, the penalty kill, I should say, is not where it needs to be right now? I think there's reason to be concerned about that. Absolutely. The last thing you want is, you know, every time there's a scrum, the ref to be pulling out an extra oiler and all of a sudden they have to kill off five, six minor penalties in the game. But along with that, I mean, there's also a chance it goes the other way, right? There's also a chance that if the Oilers can push the edge a little bit and get the flames to start taking penalties, that Edmonton can take over that game and win it. So I'm concerned on one hand, but on the other hand, I'd love to see a situation where it's the opposite, where Edmonton's the team that's getting all the power plays and they have a chance to let their power play win them the game 
Josh, I see you nodding your head in approval. Well, I think this could go either way. We know the Oilers' power play is awesome, and we know the penalty kill stinks. So I think when it comes down to discipline, whichever of these two teams can kind of stay more in line. And if you can win the special teams battle in this one, that could go a long way. Dan? I just I just think that Cassian, you know, after that after that battle of Alberta, he was a different player. After that the melee and, which, and everything which, which that one specifically the, after the big one, the goalie fight, you know, battle and all that kind of stuff, it, he was a different player. He it, it seemed like he was told to tone it down and I think you hit it on the head, Bag Milk, when you said that, you know, that's that comes from a place of not wanting to be the guy that causes us to take penalties and not wanting to be the guy that causes us to be on the wrong side of five on fours. So I don't know. It's just like you're, you know, at the, at the very base of my heart, running hockeyfights.com, I want to see it because we got, you know, a hundred thousand page views that night from, from the, the melees that ensued. But my, my brain is saying that, you know, the guy, the catalyst on our side of things is going to have to be Cassian. And I just don't think he's that same guy right now, or if he ever will be in an Oilers jersey again. Looking at tomorrow's game, the Oilers have had a couple of days off since that win against Ottawa. I want to look back at the three-game winning streak here in a second because as we record today on Friday, February 5th, it is a much different podcast than the one we recorded a week ago when they were losing. Uh, Josh, you weren't here last week, but I just want to look at the last three wins, uh, one against Toronto, to split that series and then the sweep against the Senators. How, how do you take a week like that for the Oilers? Well, I, I think the game against Toronto was really telling, and I think it kind of set the tone heading into those two matchups against the Sens. You know, you can kind of – I don't want to say you take two games against Ottawa as a grain of salt, but you can you can take momentum out of those games and see the good things that the Oilers did do. You know, a couple of players kind of getting more engaged, a couple of players getting off the schneid. It was good to see Jesse Pugliarvi get a goal, Tyson Berry, you know, Dominic Cahoon starting to kind of settle more into that second line. So although there's a lot of people that are, you know, clamoring, saying, well, it's against the Sens. It's going to be a real test when you know you have a game against Calgary here on the weekend. But it's good for the Oilers to get momentum headed in the right direction. And it was really good to see some of the players, other than McDavid and Drysidel, start to contribute offensively. And then, of course, we saw the absolute dominance by both McDavid and Drysidel against the Senators. So it was a very, very positive week for the Oilers. And it's it's setting us up in a position that we can go go against Calgary tomorrow and look at it and say, yeah, we're we're headed in the right direction right now. Much more comparably to then a week ago. Tyler, I want to ask you, uh, I noticed on The Nation over the last week and on social media that despite the Oilers kind of turning things around, bringing it back up to 500 on the season, some people diminish the last week, specifically this three-game winning streak, because two of those games came against Ottawa, and obviously they are just not a very good hockey team. Can you still take positives away from a winning streak like this, even though two of those games were against a team like Ottawa who will probably be in the mix for first overall, but when all is said and done. Ottawa just beat Montreal last night. I was going to say, Ottawa won last night. <laughs> like, you can sit there and people will say, oh, well, they were against Ottawa. They got outshot in a couple of the games. Yeah, sure, some concerning signs. But A, can you imagine if they lost those games? And B, they won. Like, it's not like they. it was even particularly close. Game one, their power play dominated, and they were ahead so far ahead early that I think the five-on-five stuff slipped away from them just because they were so far in front. They, it's natural to let a team creep back in like that. And in game two, again, it was only a 4-2 win, 
But was there any point in that hockey game where you were like, oh boy, the Oilers are in trouble here? Like they were in control for all six periods against the Ottawa Senators. Absolutely, I'm pulling a ton of positives. And yes, it was two wins against the Senators. But when you can ride a three-game winning streak into probably one of your biggest games of the year coming in this Saturday, the first Battle of Alberta, a game that's really going to set the tone, I think, for the next month of the season, that's great. That's a huge positive. I will say, first off, that I did get a little bit nervous in the first game against Ottawa when Skinner was mining the pipes because, you know, it was up 5-1, and then all of a sudden it's 5-3, and you go, whoa, here we go. But uh, you're right. Four points are four points. Dan, wrap it up. Well, and, and uh, I think Jack Michaels did a good job of kind of keeping Oilers fans honest and just kind of, you know, alluding to the fact that, you know, they get another goal here and it's a new game kind of thing. But, um, yeah, other than maybe the first, like, five minutes against the, uh, the Senators in the in the second game uh, before that Colin White-Jesse Pugliarvi engagement, which I'm still confused about. Uh, We're going to get to it. They weren't, they weren't really, they weren't really in the game. They weren't really competitive, but again, like Tyler said, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens have given up two points to the Ottawa Senators this year. And that's a thing we haven't done yet. And hopefully we don't see them do, but outside of those four minutes in the, at the start of the second game, we've absolutely dominated that team. So there's something to be said there. And, you know, Appalachian state beats Michigan every once in a while. And, and you don't want to be Michigan on the end of that, uh, on the end of that loss. So you take those wins and you, you're happy with those points that you squared away. And uh, yeah, we go into Calgary and we hopefully beat them too. I think that it's also important to recognize that a lot of times over the years, the Oilers have been slump busters and there mm-hmm. would be a team coming into town on a seven game losing streak as the senators were. And the Oilers just gift them a win back into the right, or they get them back on tracks with a win. So that didn't happen this time. The Oilers had two must win, in my opinion, games against the centers, not in the standings, but just maybe so emotionally and just kind of for some confidence and they executed. And you can, you can complain that, the uh, that, that two of those wins on this current three game streak came against Ottawa, but like Tyler and Josh both said, they beat the Canadians last night, and this is still the NHL, and there are no gimmies, no matter who the team is. And I think if you look down on an opponent, regardless of who it is, you're going to end up getting burned for it. And I wonder if maybe that's what happened in Montreal last night. I want to also talk about this last week because it was big in terms of secondary scoring for the Oilers. A bunch of guys got their firsts. Tyson Berry, he's on a heater right now, by the way. James Neal got a pair. Cahoon got a pair. Pugliarvi got a pair. Archibald got one. Who do you guys want to start with first in terms of guys getting off the schneid? Very important in terms of secondary scoring, as I mentioned. Tyler, I want to start with you. You look like you got something to say. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dominic Cahoon here. That was the guy I was most excited to see get off the schneid. He's done it. He scored in back-to-back games. And, you know, I felt like there was some people, some fans who were starting to get impatient with him in the top six because he wasn't producing. But I liked what I was seeing from him early in the year. I thought he was going to the right spots of the ice. I thought him and Settle showed some good chemistry. I really didn't want Dave Tibbet to break up that trio of Yamamoto, Cahoon, and Settle. But I was starting to get nervous that if he didn't score it might happen. So to see him pot a couple, got lucky on one, but the other one was a good goal. Uh, To see him get a few, it just allowed even me to breathe a sigh of relief and go, okay, he can score. He's not going to, you know, Toby Reed or us where he goes all year fighting this. (laughs) How dare you? Um, (laughs) But it was good to see him get one. And I know JP is probably going to be a common answer, but I was really happy to see Cahoon do what he did. Dan, I'm looking at you. Oiler to get there first last week. Who had you most excited? Uh, it's a tie for me, actually, between Jesse Pugliarvi and James Neal. Uh, you know, I, I've been 
on this very podcast last week, touting the fact that I think that James Neal is, is a guy that just stirs the drink for this team. And, you know, sure, he's not worth the, the millions of dollars that we're paying him, but could be worse. Could be worse. Um, but, yeah, again, like Tyler mentioned, Jesse Pugliarvi's stuff is just like – that's like heartwarming kind of moment to see him, uh, you know, to see him kind of come out of his – his giraffe or his his antelope kind of style of hockey and, and just become a dominant player that, that everybody's kind of hoped and wished for. Yeah. It's the Ottawa senators and all that good stuff, but, but yeah, you can't be upset about any of the breakouts that we've seen, uh, but I'll leave some for Josh too. Josh, who are you liking so far? Oh, first goals last week. It's Tyson Berry, hundred percent for me. I, I think me you too, were looking man. at that. You were looking at that power play at the beginning of the season and seeing, you know, Dave Tippett was starting to lose faith in it a little bit. We saw Darnell Nurse getting some first team rotations in right off the top of the power play, and and there was questions like, okay, we brought Tyson Berry in to be what an offensive defenseman for us and and try to somewhat fill that void that we're missing from Oscar Clefbaum, and and nothing seemed to go right for him. And you know, we saw that happen to him last season in Toronto when he had a change of scenery. And, and nothing just seemed to click. So to see him now, he's on a four-game point streak. He's really starting to settle in on that top unit power play. It's finally starting to click at a somewhat reasonable pace considering what it did last year. So I think out of all those players that we saw get off to Schneid last week, one player that we absolutely needed to, and one player I think with him now trending in the right direction is going to have the biggest impact on this team, it's Tyson Berry, 100%. I agree with you. I was pumped to see Tyson Berry. And the thing I liked about the goal he scored, like I said, he's he's on a heater. He's putting up points right now. He's got seven in his last four. Something I'm just Yeah, seven and four. Um, but the goal he scored was an absolute laser beam from the point. And I think when Barry signed here, a lot of us are excited about the possibility of a right-handed shot with a big clapper like that on the point because the power play hasn't had anything like that in a while and that was huge for me you could see almost a weight lift off him he started to look a little bit more comfortable he's starting to dish around on the power play not just defaulting to mcdavid all the time which i think is also going to be beneficial for the pp but man i was pumped about uh, about barry's goal but i gotta finish oh. it off for me personally i just i got we got to talk about jp we got to talk about Je- uh, jesse pulley the funny thing about him getting two goals in that second game against the Senators was that the dude was taking shit all week from across the board. There was guys in the media saying he should be on the fourth line. There were even people, Gregor, explain, like pondering out loud via Twitter whether there could be a fit for a Pugliarvi for Bennett trade. He said in hindsight that he wouldn't do it, but he did put it out into the universe. So I think it was hilarious to have that all going on. And then Jesse Pugliarvi picks up a feed from McDavid on the left-hand side. And then on a great individual effort mixed with a dangle, a rebound and a shot, the big man gets a goal and you could see the elation on his face. And it just, I must've been as pumped as he was. Dan, what do you think? Well, yeah, it's it, like, you know, again, it's, you, it just tugs at your heartstring to see that kind of, that kind of emotion from this player. You've seen it a couple times where he thought he had the last, the, the last touch of the shot before it went in the net kind of thing. And he's celebrating like he's, you know, he's, he's back baby. And here he was, he is back and he's, he's thriving and he's exactly what this team needs. He need, we need some right wing solidification and he gives us that right now. 
Um, you know, I, I don't know if he stays up there all year. He, he's useful, I think, in, in any one of those top three spots. But, yeah, it's just it's such a, it's such a feel-good story. And I think it was you, Tyler, that pointed out, what a time for Dustin Nielsen to take some time off from the radio to, yeah. to have Jesse just absolutely tearing it up for him in, uh, in, in, in hockey. But, and then also for Rick to not miss, to miss this episode and not be able to just absolutely go bonkers about it. So, yeah, it's great to see. Is Rick a big JP guy? Oh, oh yeah, Rick's you, a huge JP guy. Him and JP are boys. He has a car hat jersey. Oh yeah. Oh seriously. A, Rick's yes. been pumping Puliarvi's tires since the day he was drafted. We had a we had a, a draft party at the pint that night when JP fell to four, and ever since Rick has been on the Puliarvi train. So it is a bummer that. for him that he's missing this podcast. But Tyler or Josh, uh, feel free to jump in. JP's first two of the year. Yeah, it was great. Again, he had that first game when he got moved up to the McDavid wing where he didn't score, but he looked great. And then everyone was like, oh, my God, the best his best game of his career. Unbelievable. Huge night. And I kind of wanted to pump the brakes a little and go, "Okay, he had one good game. Like, let's see how it goes. I was being cautiously optimistic that, you know, it looked like they had found a fit there. And the next few games were rough for him. Like he was missing breakout passes. He was turning the wrong way on some stuff like it didn't look great. I wasn't overly optimistic, but that performance in the in that last game against Ottawa was great. When he gets confident and he moves and uses that big body well and simplifies his game a little bit, I think is a big part of it as well. I know that's weird because he scored such a beautiful goal, but put your head down, go to the net and get the puck to Connor McDavid. And if he sticks to doing that and, and the, the offensive moments, those little flashes like we saw against Ottawa, those are always going to come. But if he keeps his game simple, I think he's going to be a long-term fit up there. Josh, wrap us up on Puliarvi. JP, man, from one JP to another, I could not be happier for him. He he was trending in the right direction. It was a very similar situation to Dominic Cahoon, where it's just like, oh, man, he's doing everything right. He's just not getting rewarded for it. So I think this is one step into a, a great season that's ahead for Jesse Puliarvi. I want to go ahead and thank our friends at skipthedishes.ca for helping make all this possible. As we record at 2.30 in the afternoon on a Friday here at Edmonton, I am hungry and I'm feeling donairs tonight, Dan. And I think I'm going to get myself one because I feel like treating myself. Maybe take a little dip in Lake Bag Milk. Give my insides a hug, a nice warm massage for my mouth feelings. I think that that's the way to go tonight. And our friends and skip the dishes are going to make it possible if you were looking for something to eat something to maybe impress a loved one and pretend that you cooked it yourself head on over to skip the and grab something from one of the amazing restaurants around our city i did that last night and i got a donair delivered to me in 17 minutes from order to delivery by santa that was the name yeah the name was santa so we know what he's doing in the off season Make I know uh, my Super Bowl Sunday plans involve skip the dishes, and I'm fired up. You got an order planned out Can yet? we say Super Bowl on this? Why can't we? We're a podcast. The big game. Can't say Super Bowl. <laughs> you can't say Oilers. It's the big, big game. game. Don't, don't say Oilers. It's the game on the weekend. <laughs> the Oily Boys. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to keep us from getting the suit, Tyler. Saturday, the big game on Sunday. <laughs> I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some barbecue from somewhere. Maybe like a big greasy like pulled pork sandwich, like a brisket sandwich, something like that. That's my plan. That's classic Super Bowl food. Oh yeah, like pulled pork sandwich or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's real nice. That's so real good. Nice. So good. I'm gonna I'm gonna air fry me some wings, boys. No nice. air fry, but I'm going to do it myself. Every now and then, you got to. 
Uh, we've got a special guest coming up on the podcast. We've got Sportsnet's Sean Brown, former Oiler. He has got 436 NHL games under his belt, six seasons here in Edmonton for 269 games. We're going to take a quick break here, and we are going to bring Sean Brown into the podcast and have a chat. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Sean Brown joining us on Oilers Nation Radio, and uh, you would have seen him on a Sportsnet broadcast not that long ago. And Sean, actually, I want to start there with you. What was it like uh, getting the call up to do some Sportsnet games here? It, you know what? It was exciting. Um, I was obviously a little bit nervous. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, I just uh, I was in the garage just kind of puttering uh, around, and uh, I got a phone call from Toronto, uh, and I answered it and it was a guy from Sportsnet and he asked if I was interested in doing it. And, uh, you know, I don't really have an excuse cause obviously there's not a whole lot going on, um, but I wasn't, uh, it's not something I've done. And I, I told him that I said, Hey, listen, like I don't, uh, I've never done this. I'm not 100% comfortable doing it, but, um, and we talked about it a little bit and uh, I talked to, I obviously came in and told my wife, I have two kids and uh, my son being a big hockey fan, uh, I, I work with him a lot on the ice. And he said to me, um, dad, you know, you always talk about getting outside of your comfort zone and that's how you grow and you right. get better. And uh, I was like, oh, Jesus, you know what? <laughs> this is going to hurt. So, so I was like, good point. Um, you know, and so the main reason why I did it, to be honest with you, was to prove to my kids because they knew how uncomfortable um, it was going to be for me. Um, but I thought it was important to show them that uh, that uh, you do have to do things that make you uncomfortable and um, you never know where it can go. And and so, yeah, it uh, it was a lot of fun, but it was definitely something uh, a little bit different. But uh, Gene and um, and everybody there, uh, Tony. Um, and the staff there did a super job in making me feel comfortable. Looking now that you've got the two games under your belt here, do you think uh, you ready for more? Are you kind of like excited for more? Do you want more of that? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I felt a little bit better um, after each game. To be honest with you, there was a time like when I played the game, I knew everybody obviously that played in the league and, you know, I pretty much knew every stick and the way they shot and the skates they used. I, you know, but then, um, you get away from it a little bit because you have kids and um, different things going on in your life. So it'd been a while. I mean, I, I, I watched hockey, but not with the, uh, um, not in the way that I watched when I played. So I got away from it and, but my kids are a little bit older now and I've started watching a little bit more and paying attention to it. And um, you know, that's probably the biggest thing. If you're going to do something um, like that, you have to watch and be aware of what's, and, and who's going on, um, you know, if you're going to be successful at it. So I don't know. I, I, you'd never want to shut a door and we'll see where it goes. It was fun. Um, but I, I'll just leave it up to them if, uh, if they want more. On a, oh, on a personal, okay. on a personal level, Sean, what was it like for you to kind of, you were on the ice for a long time being analyzed, but now, you know, the tides turned and you're on the other side of the camera analyzing the game. What was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to criticize, obviously, when you're watching, um, you know, the game looks easy, but obviously it's not. So, um, you know what, you can, it's, you can obviously, uh, you know, why guys, I think, like myself and Joaquin Gage and Strudwick, and I'm sure there's going to be more that will get opportunities is because 
um, you know what it's like to be in those situations, you know, through good times and bad times. And, um, you know, you're able to give a little bit of insight uh, and, and hopefully maybe give a different perspective to the, the fans that are watching. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's way easier to criticize for sure. Um, but um, you know what? I was lucky enough to, to see, you know, the Oilers were, you know, there were some times that were during the games, obviously they were, they did some good things. Um, and it's important, you know, it's important to highlight, you know, the positive too. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's easier to, to be a critic for sure. So you mentioned, Sean, you did a, a you, you did a lot of studying and a lot of scouting when you were playing in your career. A veteran of seventy seven fights, according to HockeyFights.com, and uh, forty four of those in an Oilers jersey. Did you use that scouting ability and that and that knowledge when you were doing the fights, or was it something that you just kind of you know you knew you had to do to to keep keep playing in the show and keep your teammates you know keep your teammates honest. Well, everyone has to have a dimension, obviously, to make it to the NHL, right? You want to have something that's going to keep you there. And then, you know, the longevity of your career will depend on how much you can kind of build around that. So that was one area of my game, obviously, that kept me in the league. Um, you know, I tried to work on other area of my games, other areas in my game to, to keep me there. But it's a tough way to make a dollar. The game's changed, obviously. Um I still would like to see a little bit more of the physicality um, in the game. I don't think you need, obviously you don't need the, uh, the, um, the, the fights that have, yeah, that have no meaning or, you know, it's a lot. And to be honest with you, it's a lot easier to fight when you're playing with emotion and you're battling and it just kind of comes naturally. Um, it's, um, you know, there's obviously lots of uh, links or I guess the biggest one would be hockeyfights.com there where, um, you know, you can get a little bit of history on a, on a guy and maybe pick up some things that maybe they do or don't do or, um, but you know what, you don't want to, you got to be careful too, that you don't build it up to be maybe bigger than what it is. Cause there's a lot of anxiety and, uh, uh, excitement nerves that, you know, play into that type of role. Um, so you gotta, it's, it's a real, it's a mental grind to be honest with you. Um, but you gotta, you know, you got to be aware, but you can't, you got to be respectful, but you can't take away from yourself. And sometimes you can overthink it and you got to be careful and you just, it's, you just got to just do it at the end of the day. And, you know, it, trust me, you'll learn quick when you're getting punched in the face of what to do and what not to do. Uh, speaking of uh, fighting, there was certainly a lot of that last year in the battle of Alberta. Now with the pandemic, obviously it's, it's been a while since we've had a meaningful game, almost a year between Calgary and Edmonton, the big one tomorrow night, Saturday night. What are you expecting? Do you think we're going to see a lot of fireworks or do you think, you know, early in the year, considering they haven't played in a while, could there be a bit of a feeling out process before we get that heated rivalry again? I don't know if there'll be a, a feeling out process just because of um, they have that one player, obviously with Kachuk, who doesn't seem, you know, who's not going to feel his way around the hockey game. He just one of those guys that just plays better um, when he's emotionally and physically engaged in the game. And that's just what he does. And he'll drag other people into it, whether it's on his team or it's on the Oilers. So, I, I would think, I mean, uh, that rivalry is only as good as the uh, the makeup of the two teams, right? So I think having a guy like him, obviously the history that he has with uh, with he ha- that he has with Cassian, um, Darnell Nurse has a, a dimension to his game where 
you know, he can be a physical presence. I don't know if uh, Juju's going to wind up playing or not, but I, I think at the end of the day, there are some guys that um, are, are, do have that role, but the number one guy that I think will bring it out is Kachuk. So the, the Oilers play better. And, and to be honest with you, I think every team in the league and everyone plays better when they get invested in the game emotionally. Um, and I think it could actually help the Oilers. They're obviously coming off of a, um, a nice little winning streak here. Um, and now they have a little bit of a layoff. So I think the Calgary series uh, this weekend is actually going to be good for their game. John, when you got a guy like Kachuk, who, like he said, he, he mixes it up. That's his game. But he's a skilled guy who can piss you off, and he will do so. In your mind, what's the best way to kind of handle a player like that, give him the respect he, he deserves in terms of skill, but maybe not get into the other stuff? Well, it's, it's kind of depends on the game too. I mean, if you're up a couple goals or you have momentum, you got to be careful in the ways that you engage him um, because that could change the momentum. Obviously he's going to do certain things to kind of create a little bit of a spark uh, and get other guys. I mean, there's, I mean, it's a smart thing to do when you don't, you don't necessarily have to fight anymore to create some energy and, and especially in today's game. Uh, and a guy like that, I think understands that he can go out there. If he's feeling that his team needs a boost, needs some energy, he can get into a scrum, but what a scrum does is also, you know, it not only gets you involved, but it also brings in the other four guys. And now you got a bunch of guys, you know, giving a bunch of stinky gloves, uh, exchanging a few words. Um, and, and it just kind of drags everyone into it. So, um, you know, those guys, it's hard to find those guys. I mean, they're so valuable, uh, on your team. Everyone's looking for a kind of a, I'd say they're somewhat of an old school kind of guy, but you know, so depending on the situation will depend on how you kind of handle that guy. The biggest thing is to, um, when you're playing, have him react to you as opposed to you reacting to him. That would be my, my message to my team. Um, it's not what he's doing. It's what, you know, we're doing uh, is the most important thing. Well, and that's, sorry, go ahead. Dad. You, you, you bring up, I'll let you go next, Josh. I, I just, you bring up a great point and we've been able to talk to a couple of, uh, a couple of former NHLers as this pandemic has rolled on uh, Jordan Tutu, Chris Versteeg, talking to them about just about the emotion in the game and how not having fans, like, do you do you think that that's just going to be like it's going to be an issue for every team throughout this season and and going forward without fans that it's it's just going to be something that the teams are going to have to deal with and struggle with going forward? Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, that was one of the interesting things for me doing the game. The home games were different, or sorry, the away games were a little bit different because here you are at uh, Rogers Place and. I, there might have been, I don't know exactly, but it, it felt like 20 people in the building when they were uh, on the road. And man, you didn't realize how cold that rink is when nobody's in there. It was freezing. <laughs> um, and then I was really excited to do the uh, Toronto game because, you know, none of us have been allowed to go in. It's not my job. So I've never really been in a rink to see a game um, with no fans. And I was always, you know, I think Sportsnet and TS, all the media outlets do a pretty good job of, uh, televising a game and kind of making it somewhat uh, engaging for us. So that was new to see a quiet building. <laughs> it brought you back to like minor hockey. And so there's definitely guys on both teams that feed off of the emotion. Um, and so when I talked about, you know, a scrum, 
when you sometimes when you're you know trying to create a little bit of energy and some emotion in a game you don't have to you don't necessarily have to fight but that scrum could bring in you know four of your buddies but also get the crowd kind of into it so now now you get four of your buddies in there but with zero emotion from the crowd which guys play off of that i mean we all say i mean we all prepare for a game and we play and we're able to block the crowd out but you know um we block it out in a way that um it's not like we're looking at people and engaging with people. They're all kind of blurry and the same, but we do hear the sounds and the emotions Mm -hmm. that, you know, so, um, you know, that, that's, that was pretty amazing for me to think that these guys, you know, we're watching it on TV. These guys are must mustering up a lot of raw emotion with nobody in there, which I thought was really cool and credit to the uh, credit to the player for doing that. Sean, I want to get your opinion on, you know, with you being a former fighter and and circling back a little bit to last year's Battle of Alberta, there was a lot of conversation about, you know, where's the line when it comes to answering the bell, you know, seeing some of the stuff that Kachuk was doing, you know, with the with the interaction he was having with Zach Cassian and some of the hits he was playing or doing. There was a lot of people arguing, you know, where's the line when you have to answer the bell in today's NHL? What's your opinion on that? There's nothing. I mean, I, I respect players that play that way. Um, I, I guess I, I respect them a lot more if they play that way. And then they, you know, you don't have to fight a lot and fighting is just one way of showing how tough you are. There's many ways of playing this game and there's a lot of tough players that play a tough game, but don't fight, whether it's, you know, blocking shots and so on driving to the net, knowing, you know, at the end of the day, you could get hit into the post, so on. So um, but I, I do think that if you are going to play an agitating game, um, there are times that you have to, you know, you have to answer the bell, not, not only to get respect through the league uh, and other guys, but to also get the respect of your own teammates. There's, you know, I've played with guys um, that would kind of rat it up and, and it's like, okay, that's, that's okay. Um, you know, but you know, usually more often than not, somebody else is coming in there that affects someone else's game. Someone else has to come in there and clean up the garbage. Right. And I don't, you know, if you're not kind of doing a little bit of the work yourself, it kind of gets a little bit annoying. Um, so name, 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 Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, you gotta be, uh, you gotta be, um, you know, you and Kachuk, I think, I mean, he's a, seems like a big guy. I've never been on the ice with him or close to him on the ice, but he's all, obviously knowing the history of his dad and, and watching him, you know, he'll, you know, he'll fight, um, you know, so he's done some things that, uh, you know, warrant him actually having to fight. And he's done some things where you can tell it's just agitating and annoying and him being him. Uh, last one on the game tomorrow night, Sean, but you've obviously been in your own fair share of battles of Alberta. Uh, do you got a favorite memory, a craziest memory, anything that stands out? Like what's the first thing that jumps to your mind from your career when you hear battle of Alberta? Um, well, there was, uh, you know, thinking back to the battle of Alberta when I played, I mean, they had, uh, who they have, they had like Belak, Craig Berube. Um, but to be honest, when we played, I mean, George LaRock kept, kept guys pretty honest right i mean it was it was was nice playing on the oilers uh you know because when i got traded from the oilers um you really understood and got to know the effect that george had uh on each game whether he fought or he didn't 
And I think that was, you know, that some of the criticism that I heard sometimes from different people, I didn't really pay attention to the media that much when I was playing, but people would make comments, um, you know, sometimes saying he wouldn't fight or he wasn't as active, you know, at, at different times through his career. Um, but knowing and playing with him and knowing how, how people, uh, played with him in the lineup and without him or on a, or my case on a different team, you know, it was different. He had an effect. And, you know, my thinking is why, you know, why would this guy fight if he can almost do his job and nobody's doing anything? I mean, why make your career or why make it harder than you have to kind of thing. Right. Um, You know, he gets to work on his game. He gets to play, uh, you know, so, um, you know, it was, like I said, George, George had a big impact on the battle of Alberta. Um, whether a game was, you know, and, and the emotion of the game, he was just that intimidating and had that much of a presence. So there was never really, I'm trying to think of, I don't know if there was ever, you know, really uh, a time where, you know, it was all that, you know, where the emotions were over, like boiling over. I remember playing in the minors in Hamilton uh, in Edmonton and we played uh, their farm team and, I talked about depending on how the teams are made up, we played them and they had a really tough team. They had multiple guys and we had multiple guys and we had a coach, Lauren Mulliken who loved fighting and their coach, I think something Baxter. And I think he was an old school, tough coach and he loved it too. So our, our games in the minors were like scary. (laughs) Those games, those games really scared me. And when I was young, I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to, make a career of this it it was very my first year pro in the minors was very intimidating um you know coming from junior to to fighting men and these big guys that was different sean last question i got on the battle of alberta and again we appreciate your time here and breaking this down for us is uh, how is it good for the game when these two teams are both competitive and this rivalry actually means something again, rather than having, you know, for a long time, the flames just were stealing the Oilers lunch money. Um, <laughs> is it nice to kind of have it back on a, uh, on a level where it means something again? Absolutely. I mean, that's, you need that. You need, there's gotta be something on the line for both teams. So, you know, cause then it doesn't, you know, it's it, cause then it's a different game too. I mean, you don't, necessarily like the, let's face it the game is changing and there isn't a whole lot of hits and a whole lot of fights but when you get some emotion and guys you know are finishing their check and playing you know uh, with a real sense of urgency because something matters absolutely it makes it better for the league and the league wants that uh, we all want that as you know there's times that we all watch the uh, hockey at different times and throughout the season and uh, the time of the year you're kind of like oh that was a little bit of a sleeper so um, you know, the league, uh, I think the league needs it. The players need it. And, and I think they're at a good point right now too, where I think Calgary, you know, is obviously playing well and, 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 um, Edmonton's just kind of right on the crossroads of trying to put something together here. And they really, you know, I, I see this game being exciting for those two reasons. One team's got to prove that, that they're, uh, going to continue to make a step and one team's playing with confidence and, you know, uh, wants to make sure that they continue to roll. And, and like you got, you got Lucic there too, right. Who has a little bit of history with the Oilers and uh, now with the flame. So I'll be tuning in. Nice. I like got it. To. So I, I, I have one more question for you, Sean, running hockeyfights.com. Uh, the two guys that you fought the most, do you, do you remember off the top of your head? 
No. Jeff Rogers and Brad May. Was there oh. was there a reason? Was it just, you know, were those guys just the ones that would mix it up in games against you? Or, or what was the reason there? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Jeff Rogers was just a very tough person. He was game. You know, he was uh, cut from the old cloth. Uh, you know, he under, you know, usually, usually when I'd fight him, most times it was usually because either his team was down or something was happening in the game. Emotionally, he was trying to get something going. Um, it was never, never, it was definitely never anything personal. And same with Brad May too. I don't, he was kind of funny. Um, you know, it was, there was one funny story with Brad May, like, because sometimes you're just fighting for, I don't even know why you're fighting, but we were playing, he's from Ontario. And so I'm from Ontario. And so part of my warm up and part of his warm up, you know, you take a couple shots and then you kind of skate by the red line um, and you do whatever you do. Well, we were playing them. And so we're skating by the, we're skating in the warm up. I'm skating one way. He's skating the other way. And he's like, Brownie, you want to fight? And I'm like, okay. Um, the next time we skate around, he's like, it's got to be in the first period. I'm like, okay. So then we skate around. He's like, but it's got to be early. I'm like, okay. So then I stopped and stretched and he comes up and he's like, well, my, uh, we got to fight early because my brother works tomorrow and he's got to get up early. So he's only watching the first period. (laughs) I was kind of like, okay. You know, like, so sometimes like, I don't know why I fought Brad May. Um, Maybe he wanted to fight me more than I wanted to fight him because he knew maybe <laughs> he got the better the better of me. But I don't know. There's some guys just the way they play and the way you play and the way they play just doesn't um, doesn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Sean, uh, we really appreciate your time, man. Enjoy the Battle of Alberta. Enjoy the rest of the season, and we look forward to seeing you back on Sportsnet soon. Hopefully. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. That interview, guys, was brought to you by Cornerstone Insurance. Cornerstoneins.ca is where you can find them. Solid protection, sound advice. Always love shouting out our friends at Cornerstone. There you go. That was good. The thing I liked about Sean Brown there, he would give you a story without you asking him for a story. Like, just a natural talker. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it just kind of makes sense why Sportsnet wants to get him on a broadcast. You know, he just, you kind of you kind of tee him up and away he goes. And I like that, especially, you know, Hearing about Big George's impact on the uh, on the Battle of Alberta back in the day is pretty cool. You know what, Dan? We should try and get I was George just back on the podcast again because yeah. we spoke to him about a lot of different things about a year and change ago, maybe a little bit yep. more than that. But I think it's due we're due to revisit George, especially with ten Battles of Alberta coming up this year. Hundred uh, percent again. Thank you very, very much to Sean Brown for the time, and I also want to thank our friends at Tourism Jasper for everything they're doing and helping us get outside. I've actually got a buddy. He texted me today from Marmot. He said the snow is great. The mountain's in great shape and there is plenty of stuff to do right in town as well. If you want to go get yourself outside, be outside with your family, maybe get a little time away from the city. Jasper.travel has got all the information you need on how to make that happen. We encourage you to do it. It's beautiful down there. Josh, when was the last time you were in Jasper? I was in Jasper like two weeks ago, man. Oh, wow. See? Snowboard, baby. 
Oh, it was gorgeous. It was beautiful weather. The snow was amazing. It was, they did a great job. I should mention as well with the chalet, ushering people in out safely so that you could go in, get yourself a nice little hot dog, hot chocolate. No, it was a blast. I'm trying to get out there next week as well. We'll see. Make your way to Jasper, people. It is wonderful down there. Uh, getting back into some Oilers talk here, guys. Let's run through some housekeeping, uh, housekeeping items here. Ethan Bear back on the ice at practice this week. And that brings up a question for me, gentlemen. How are we going to keep Ethan Bear in uh, – Evan Bouchard, I should say, in the lineup with Ethan Bear making a return? How There's- does it happen? Tyler, you're shaking your head. Josh, you want to start? Go for it. Well, I was going to say, we know Dave Tippett likes to go lefty with a righty. So if you're going to keep Evan Bouchard in the lineup, I really don't see a way that you can keep, you, you can get Ethan Barry in because you're not going to take Adam Larson or Tyson Barry out. So if you want to go lefty righty, unless you're going to run seven defensemen again, or you're going to put Ethan Barry on his offside, because I don't imagine he's going to want to put Evan Bouchard on his offside. So I, I don't see a circumstance where you're going to get Ethan Bear back in the lineup. Of course, he's, he's a great defender and he's a good player for the Oilers, but which of those three guys are you going to take out? I feel like it would have to be Evan Bouchard. So I feel like at this point, you're going to get one of Evan Bouchard or Ethan Bear in the lineup. One of the two. Tyler? The easy way to get him in is to go seven defensemen. But again, I'm not a big fan of doing that on a permanent basis. So I'm looking at the death chart right now. And let's say Ethan Bear's healthy. So you go nurse with Bear, likely. You're going to throw Tyson Barry, likely with one of William Lagason or Chris Russell, maybe Slater Cuckoo. Then what I'd actually do on the, on the last pairing is I'd play Bouchard on the right and I'd play Larson on the left. I think Adam Larson's not going to be the puck mover on that pairing. His puck moving hasn't been this, that great this year on his strong side. So are you really Forever. losing a lot? Yeah. Are you really losing a lot putting Adam Larson on the left side if you have an elite puck mover on the right side? I don't think so. I might be in the minority here. I like Nurse with Barry. I like yeah, me that too. Model. I really do. I uh, I just think that for me, like I like Bouchard's game, but I don't think we need to force the issue just yet. I think he's fine to just kind of rotate in and out, get some, get everybody some breaks here and there. Like this is the first time they've had three days off in forever. Uh, get that rotation going some more. Lajeson looked just as good to me. Um, if not more, even more solid on the defensive side of things. So I think that there's some, there's some good, you know, good trending players there for us to be able to give everybody a break, including Larson. Larson needs some time up in popcorn alley to just take a deep breath and, and figure this out because, because, and I think that he, I just think right now he's like the whipping boy. He's the guy that, you know, nothing's going well for him. And so it's, it's struggle all around. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing a rotation of this defense where it's eight guys playing defense any given night. I mean, I got, I got, I might be the lone man on this one, but I kind of like the idea of having seven D and because all that does is that rotates McDaddy in on that fourth line more often than not. And I am a big fan of getting Connor McDavid on the ice whenever possible. And if you can kind of slip him in there, maybe Leon, maybe Nuge, doesn't matter. You got choices to throw in on that, on that fourth line. Uh, I kind of like it. Although at the same point, I'm also a big Gaetan Haas guy. So I don't want to see Gaetan Haas come out of the lineup at all. Uh, I think the point here though, and, and the bright side, no matter what happens in tomorrow's defensive pairings is that the Oilers are finally getting some depth on the right hand side of their, of their depth chart. And that is, I, I don't remember the last time that happened. Is it scary to say this makes Adam Larson expendable in a trade? 
Or is it too soon for that yet, Tyler? I feel like you'll have an opinion on that. I think it might be too soon because I don't yeah. want to lose the depth. The second you start trading away your depth is always the second you start needing it. So I wouldn't move him. Like I said, I would explore Larson on the left side with Bouchard to see if that works. But I think I think Bouchard, if he can you know, give you 15, 20 solid games this year and you kind of know what you have in him, I think that drastically changes your offseason plans and what you want to do with Barry and Larson. But that might be a conversation for uh, for a day down the road. You know what? If you're listening to this right now, and I don't care whether it's Friday, Saturday, or whenever you downloaded, hit us up. Do you think Adam Larson is becoming expendable based on the play of a guy like Evan Bouchard, even though it's only been one game and it was against the Senators? I'm throwing it out there. Did you what guys you see think? how many? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, did you guys see how many minutes Evan Bouchard played? Dad, I know yeah, that we, we, had, we had differing opinions on this going into the game. You, you predicted five minutes. He played north of 15, I think, didn't he, Begmilk? Yeah, he actually played uh, – I'm just waiting for my slow-ass laptop to, to load here, so I'm just going to vamp in the meantime. He actually played 16.56 against the Senators. The low man on the totem pole, uh, totem pole that night was Slater Cuckoo at 8.09. So Bouchard did get – you know he got a hefty dose of minutes there. William Lagason played 8.50. 53 more than half of that came or about half of that I should say came shorthanded so I liked the fact that they killed off all five penalties against senators so maybe that gets Lagason a little bit more leash than a guy like Bouchard unless tip daddy wants to go back with seven seven defensemen because Concon wants more minutes and I want to give it to him keep that defensive keep that defensive depth forever you can't have enough defensemen especially when it comes to the playoff time you know, it, we've got a long season ahead of us and Adam Larson is, you know, has shown a propensity to, to break down, um, you know, and then bad luck comes into play as well. So, so yeah, keep every defenseman you can right now, especially. Well, and also to Dan's point, it, the Oilers have been pretty lucky so far in that their defensemen outside of Ethan Bear missing a couple, you know, they haven't been more than banged up. So, Depth is going to be important at some point, be it because of injury or fucking, I don't know if you guys know this boys, but there's a pandemic going on. And I feel really? like at some point that nah. could also come into play as well. Uh, looking at some of the other housekeeping items today, Troy Grosnick, once an oiler, always an oiler back on waivers today. Jason Greger speculating that Mike Smith is getting closer, but would not be able to come on to the active roster until after tomorrow's game. Anybody surprised by the waiver wire move for Grossnick today? I'm not like, you you know, you have, you know, you have Skinner as the third goalie. Sorry to cut you off, Josh, but you have Skinner as the third goalie. You're probably not going to lose Grossnick, but even if you do, if Mike Smith's back, you still have three. I think you're fine. Josh? Correct me if I'm wrong. Stuart Skinner would be waiver ineligible, right? Like he can go up and down however many times they need. Yeah. I think he has been, hasn't he? Yeah, I I, I believe so. So that uh, having, I don't know who wrote the article. I saw it on Twitter a few weeks ago that literally the the teams that are going to win in this three goalie situation are the teams that have a third goalie as a young guy who's waiver ineligible. And that's the situation the Oilers are in now that Mike Smith is going to be healthy soon. So yeah, it, it was kind of, it was inevitable that they were going to wave Grosnick once Smith got healthy again, because that just gives you so much more freedom that you can just move screw Stewart Skinner up and down as much as you want. So poor Troy. I just feel bad for him. Honestly, yeah, me too. drove up to Edmonton, did the quarantine, a couple of practices and away you go, my friend. Can you imagine if he gets claimed? Can you imagine if he gets claimed by like San Jose and what is he going <laughs> to have to hop in his car and like drive back down? Florida's yeah, like, you- ah, Troy, we love what you offer. <laughs> He's like, son of a bitch, here we go. Load up a good playlist. 
Well, actually, I don't know he, if you guys he's, saw He's got to make up his way to Sherwood Ford and get an oil change before he hits the road. Sorry, go ahead, Josh. No, no, I was just going to say in his media availability that he did when he first joined the team, do you guys know why he actually drove up here? He said because he – because I feel like it was – I think it was Jim Matheson. Matheson's like, why didn't you fly, Troy? And he's like, well, he has a good buddy that lives up here. And he said essentially the reason he drove here is because he had just gotten his car delivered to L.A. like a week earlier, and he didn't have anywhere to leave it in L.A. He literally said this to the media. He's <laughs> like, you, you guys know L.A. Where I'm not going to be able to park my car anywhere unless <laughs> I a ton of money. So he said he was going to drive it up here, and then no matter what happened with the Oilers, he knew he would have a place to store it up here. So apparently he has some really good friends here that own a house and the friends told him he could keep his car here no matter what happens. So what that a is, joke, that what a joke that, that guy is like getting yo-yoed and, and we're now looking at four goalies that have just been absolutely yo-yoed by the NHL and their inability to foresee this as an issue. Like how the league didn't look ahead and say, you know what? Every team's probably going to need three goalies on their roster this year and we should treat it as such you know for this year and this year only instead no we're going to put everybody on waivers and they're going to get passed around like a anyways um it's just it's super frustrating to me it's so it's like on a human level it's really shitty to four human beings that are giving their lives to try and play hockey and, well, I mean, they know they're, what they're getting into becoming professional athletes. Well, yes, but yeah. yes and no, because, because they, they want to just be on a fucking taxi squad and just sit back and be able to work and be able to audition for a team to play for them, not be passed around, be quarantined. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's so frustrating that the league couldn't have foreseen this as being an issue. And then, you know, the, the, the whole trade thing. Like, you look at Line A playing his first game in Columbus, and Winnipeg's like, maybe Dubois on Monday? I don't know. Like, it's just – it's such a weird – it's such a weird season, and there was just some things that were overlooked when we were planning it, for sure. Would Grosick have made any money signing with the Oilers like that? Like getting I mean, claimed? I imagine he imagine yeah, he'd like, get a, yeah, a few shekels in his jeans. His contract, his contract would he, he would because yeah. he got claimed on the waivers, he would be an NHL contract still with the Oilers. I don't know what the deal is when, with the quarantine though, like because he actually can't play for them. Who knows what the NHL is doing to the guys? But but I would assume I, he's getting paid by somebody. I think this is just a product of a very weird situation with having COVID nineteen running rampant, as well as sports is just a cold motherfucker, man. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes that's the way the old cookie crumbles. And as much as it sucks for Troy Grosnick to have driven up to Edmonton and now possibly make his way out of town, that's life in the NBA. He probably still cashed in. Uh, Another thing I want to talk about, I touched on it briefly before we get to hot and cold performers here. I just want to wrap this up. Oilers PK right now is 73.2 heading into tomorrow night's Battle of Alberta. Not near good enough. It was a major strength for the team last year though they were perfect five for five against Ottawa before that uh, nine goals in six games, nine goals against in six games. So I want to look around what's going wrong on the Oilers PK right now. Do you guys think, is it, they can't get a save. They can't get a clear. Personally, I feel like there's too many times where they can't get a clear when it's right there and it turns around and ends up in the back of the net. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's the, that's the absolute difference for me. You look at the games against Ottawa versus the games against Toronto. You know, that's a close little sample size. They got the puck out when they needed to, when they got the opportunities against Ottawa. They didn't do that against Toronto. We've talked about it a few times that they have these lapses where it's just, you know, like one issue compiles onto another issue and then it's in the back of the net. And so for this team, there's just, 
there that box is is not is not active enough to be a diamond penalty kill. And I don't think that that's what they played last year. And and it's a change I, for this year because I don't of think new they personnel. Diamond last year. No, and so it, so it's it's a it's a new change. It's a new personnel group. It's it's a lot of new stuff, and it's just not working right now. And and hopefully hopefully the Ottawa games are a good sign of things to come. But but yeah. Josh, what are you seeing on the PK? I feel like it's almost unfair to compare this year's PK unit to last year because it's just it's a completely different. Big Riley Shea guy. We need yeah. Riley Shea back. Him, hey, him and Toby Reader—they're having their time in in Buffalo right now. Yeah, but uh, I, I, uh, it, it's interesting with that PK unit right now. I think we got to start asking the question: Is it time for Jujar Carey to get back on the fourth line? So he can PK for us. But yeah, yeah, I don't know a ton about like PK when it comes to setting up and, and seeing what's wrong with it. But I think you touched on it well there, Beg Malik. You just got to get the puck out. Just get the puck out. That's all you need Tyler, to do. Wrap it up. Yeah, I think there's been a couple unlucky moments and a couple of mental lapses. But where I'm confident is that, you know, like they got a guy like Kyler Yamamoto right now. They're trying to teach him how to penalty kill, but he's never done it before in his NHL career. So I think there are just some learning curves here. When you consider the fact that the coaching staff is still the same, they have a few returning guys, and it's just maybe some younger or more inexperienced penalty killers trying to learn on the fly a little bit, especially with like a shortened training camp and stuff. I think I'm willing to forgive them a little bit for some of the mental lapses that have, that have led to goals. And I am confident that as the year goes on, they're only going to get better on the PK. Tyler, while you're getting your buttons ready for the oodle noodle, hot and cold performers. I just want to put another thing on your plates as you're listening to this, as we wind down episode 123. Pierre Lebrun tweeted yesterday. I would advise fans to track points percentage rather than overall points in the standings in case some teams don't play 56 games real quick. Uh, Josh, did you kind of see points percentage as a, as a potential issue heading into a playoff season for the second year in a row? Dude, I didn't at all. I, when, when you mentioned that earlier, that kind of caught me off guard because I never, ever, I guess that was kind of me being naive, but I never would have seen a circumstance where we would have had to look at point percentage. I think the only way it would really have a huge impact is if we have teams that are playing like, one team playing 56 games and one team playing 40 games. I think that would be a bit of an aggressive like thing to sort out there. But if it's a difference of one or two games, I really, is that going to fluctuate too much with the standings of the teams? Probably not, but um, I hope it doesn't come down to that. I hope every team can get in 56 games, but we'll see what happens. Resident math nation math guy, Tyler Uremchuk. Nope. I don't like that title. <laughs> um, for me, the, the concern, the interesting part I'll say is I want to know where the NHL draws the line. Like if they are, if they will eventually have to go to points percentage, wh- where is it? Is it like, will they make a team play eight games in 12 days? No. Will you let them play seven games in 12 days? If a team has nine games left in the season and there's only 16 days left, are they going to be like, you know what? Let's try to wait, find a way to jam this in. Like, I'm very interested because they don't have a set plan. They don't have a rule that says, hey, if you have this many games disallowed or postponed, we're just going to stop making them up and start canceling them. We don't know where the line is. And I'm very fascinated to see if we find out. Like, will they be like, you know what? Team A has 15 games and they're going to play them in 23 days. Giddy up, boys. And like, just make them do it. I don't know. I'm fascinated. Fascinating. We'll, we'll see. And it's also interesting because the NHL doesn't have like, they don't have a huge cushion at the end of the season before the playoffs start. So it's not like you just have, you know, three, four weeks to try and balance things out. It's going to be, 
it's going to be fascinating to see how we progress here. Fortunately, so far north of the border, uh, nobody's had to have a game rescheduled yet. And knock on wood that that does not happen. Dan, your thoughts? Oh, he's on a phone call. It is time for the oodle noodle hot and cold performers of the week. I'm good to go. Oh, Dan is back. Dan points. Percentage. I am back. I was talking to points percentage. Yes. Uh, it's going to be, it's, it's for me, it's going to be frustrating because you look at a team like Dallas who, who missed the first, what, two weeks of the season and was able to just kind of like have their own training camp as it were like, not, I'm not saying that the players were all playing together or anything like that, but they were given that slight advantage and so that, for me, is going to be frustrating if it does come down to a points percentage thing. But we'll see. The North Division, so far, knock on wood, has not had any issues. So hopefully that continues to be the norm for us. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule. I was looking on Saturday, and I think it's at four games right now that are postponed um, as we record at, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday. And that could change before tomorrow. So, yeah, so yeah it is a reality. It's, I think it's something we all kind of thought about and planned for originally though and uh, hopefully we don't hopefully don't we don't get dallas starred again this time <laughs> dude the difference in games right now is the lowest team florida has played seven and the highest team has played 14 that's well and what's a, hilarious that's too. a huge difference yeah and you look at a team like calgary they had a freaking five day break after like four games like what why was this why was the schedule created like that? So yeah, there's gonna be a lot of things when we look back on it, I think, where we'll be like it'll be head scratchers, but again, you know, I mean you can't plan for a pandemic, so at all things. You can't although unless you think plan it's a pandemic. Pandemic. Uh-huh. I'm just uh-huh. kidding. It's always that's wasn't a great joke. Yeah, that was great, Tyler. Give yourself some That was good, Tyler. Just beep it out in the in the podcast so nobody can hear it. <laughs> As we do every week, we wind down our podcast looking at the last seven days of our lives, be it personal or in the world of sports, and we give a hot and a cold performer. Thanks to our friends at Oodle Noodle. Go into any Oodle Noodle for a takeout or curbside order and a portion of those orders will be delivered or uh, donated to a local charity or initiative so get yourself something to eat this weekend make it something delicious and know that you're doing a good part a good thing for the community i should say oodle noodle 14 locations around the city and soon coming to fort saskatchewan which my sister lives out there she's very excited about as we do every week we start with our veggies the cold performers of the week mr dan i'm looking at you you're right underneath me on the screen your cold performer of the week well he gave me some content but uh it's it's one ottawa senator in particular colin white and his confusing play with jesse pugliarvi he watched Dadnoff missed Pujarvi in what was one of the more spectacular checks that I've seen thrown in a while. Uh, and then he skated down the ice and decided to, uh, to fight a guy who just avoided a check. It was confusing. It was weird. What was the referee thinking who was standing right next to them as they, as they engaged? And Jesse Pujarvi just held on for dear life trying to figure out what, what he did wrong to, uh, to enrage a man so much. But uh, yeah, Colin White, my cold performer of the week. I'm upset. Uh, upset, Colin White was upset. Oh, he was big mad. Uh, Also, (laughs) bonus goes out to uh, Dadanoff for losing a couple of chicklets on the play. Goes in for a big hit. Smashes his face on the ice. R.I.P. Teeth. There goes a dental bill for you. Coming up next, Mr. Josh Park, Nation Network Video Editor Supreme, your Oodle Noodle Cold Performer of the Week. 
I did not plan for this at all. <laughs> but I'm going to think... Dude, I didn't even know this was a thing. Well, I knew it was a thing, but I didn't. Well, thanks for listening to the pod, Josh. Guys, guys, I'm a huge Oilers Nation radio guy. I just didn't know if I'd be included in this segment. I didn't know if you'd let me come up with a hot. Well, game. actually, now that you say it, Tyler, over to you. No, I'm just joking. No, no, no. I, I'll think of one. All right, guys. Uh, my cold performer of the week. While you're thinking, Josh, by the way, as soon as this is over, I'm going to come back to you for a hot performer of the week. Hot and cold performer. I'll have one ready as well. Okay, uh, my cold performer of the week is going to be the under. The under. Because you should take the (laughs) over in the Super Bowl. That's going to be my cold performer of the week is the under. What the hell is going on? That is a great drop for what just happened, Tyler. One more time, please. Oh. What the hell is going on? I Thank love you, Steven. Steven. Mr. Tyler Remchuk, your Oodle Noodle Cold mm-hmm. Performer of the Week. My Cold Performer of the Week, I did this whole big, big rant on real life, but all the people who are mad about regional restrictions in the NHL, like there's some brand new thing. I don't get it. It's been like this forever. And if you want to watch all the games, you can do what Wanye said to do. You know, the devil on the shoulder. Wanye says illegally stream everything. I say <laughs> just pay the money for the right packages and you can get every game. This is nothing new. Regional blackouts have been happening for a decade in the NHL. I don't know why people are so mad or why they think it's some big injustice that the NHL makes you pay to watch the games. I, uh, I, ju- I, just, I just don't get it. Are you thrilled? I'm not. <laughs> I'll give you the legal way to do it. It's to buy NHL Game Center and then buy a VPN. Done. You can watch all the games. No problem. There's your legal way to do it. Or the buy guy Center in the Ice. Middle. That's what I meant. Sorry. Whatever yeah. I said. NHL well, Game either Center. Either one will work. Yeah, the yeah. Game Center for yeah. online. Center Ice if you already have cable. Yeah. I, and then uh, a VPN. I personally enjoy that I got to hear that rant twice. That's what I like. <laughs> Download real life podcast on Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, my oodle noodle cold performer of the week is despite the five for five. I talked about it a couple of times already. The penalty kill. I don't like a 72.3% penalty kill rate. I do not like it. That is going to leave plenty of missed opportunities on the board unless they correct it. I think of the, when the Oilers tried to come back against Winnipeg didn't work. PK failed them when they tried to come back against Toronto and actually tied the game twice in the third period. PK failed them. This is a problem. We need to sort it out. There's time to sort it out, but right now, oodle noodle cold performer of the week is the penalty kill. Why are you the way that you are? I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. <laughs> yes. Those yes. are unreal. Forever, forever. I'm going to reverse the order this time. Mr. Tyler Uremchuk, you're up first. Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. My Hot Performer of the Week. I'm going to use this opportunity to plug and give some love to a new podcast that the Nation Network is launching. I'm excited to be a part of it. It is called DFO Rundown. It'll be available on Daily Faceoff and wherever you get your podcasts from. Get your podcasts from. Wow. Um, it will feature one Jason Greger and the big one, Frank Saravalli. I'm super stoked to be having this out. Episodes will be dropping Monday and Friday. So get a jump on it. Subscribe. The first episode is going to have a very, very good guest as well. Uh, so there we go. That's my hot performer of the week. The new pod, the DFO rundown. The big guy is smoking hot. Frank Saravalli is smoking hot. I agree. Easy. Josh Park, your oodle noodle hot performer of the week. Yeah, I got one. Uh, I got to give some love to a team 
It stinks, but they got one guy that's on a bit of a heater right now. I want to show some love to Timmy Stutzel. He's got goals in three yeah. straight games. So I, I just think he's showing flashes of brilliance. I think that this guy's going to be great. I think he likes coming out and getting a play against some some fellow Germans in Leon Dreisaitl and Dominic Kuhn. So I, I'm going to go with Timmy Stutzla as my hot performer of the week. Put some respect on my name. I got to say that the medal soon. That 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 kid has got uh, he's got a hell of a shot. He's sick. Yeah, the, he the two goals it. he scored against the Oilers, like yeah, the first one you could say, well, it was against Skinner or whatever, but Skinner did not see that shot coming. Top shelf, second one right through the wickets on Koskinen, and hell of a release on that kid, Mister Nation Dan, your oodle noodle hot performer of the week. Well, it's something that uh, people, Oilers fans, have been pushing for for a while since the passing of Joey Moss, and uh, we got a little glimpse inside the Oilers' locker room after the uh, after the big win against Ottawa. Uh, they were they showed a video of Stuart Skinner coming into the locker room, and and the players were playing La Bamba as their win song, and uh, so you you love to see that little nod to Joey. Um, I hope that the Oilers come to their senses and use that as their goal song. Um, but if not, we'll keep doing it. Uh, but yeah, for the Oilers, for winning or using their, uh, using La Bamba as their win song, they're my hot performer of the week. That's not La Bamba. I don't have La Bamba, but I had that. <laughs> wow, Tyler. <laughs> the disrespect. Everybody loves Cotton Eye Joe, though. Like, what are we talking about? That's true. That's true. Uh, wrapping things up, my oodle noodle hot performer of the week is... The Ottawa Senators for winning me a shit ton of money in the two game series over the weekend. I was making all kinds of prop bets. I was hitting all kinds of prop bets. I was scoring. I was winning. And God damn it, did my bank account swell because of the Ottawa Senators. So to you, I say thank you. You are my hot performers of the week. Dem Arby's boys, wheels up. Ski, Amen. Yeah, Arby's boys for real. I got my Arby's cup right now. Good for you, buddy. Oh, that's great. You know what? Thinking Arby's. As soon as we get Arby's on this podcast, it's going to oh. be one of the greatest days of my life. I like and his sales guys. Happen. Sales guy Jared is pushing for it too, and he's like, "Why won't they do anything with us?" <laughs> I know. Love like it. the thing is, when I make Arby's memes and my dumb shtick that I do on on Instagram, they go so well, and there's no way that Arby's corporate hasn't noticed at least a little bit by now. Damn it, Arby's. I had Arby's two days ago. It was unreal. Frick, I Bet love Arby's. Skip the dishes, though. You can, right now. you can get them on Skip the Dishes, so they're kind of on the podcast. That's right. That is right. Dan, that was our first That was our first win is getting Arby's on Skip the Dishes, which I'm taking full credit for. Yep. Second, now they're going to be a podcast sponsor. Not really, but eventually, and it's going to make me happy. Uh, gentlemen, to finish this podcast off, we're going to go around the horn real quick. I want some score predictions for the very first Battle of Alberta of the week. You are our special guest today, filling in for Rick, Mr. Josh Park. Your score prediction against the Calgary Flams. You didn't know like we to... had to do this. I didn't know we had to do this. I'm not ready. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm going to go score prediction for nothing Oilers. I think Koskinen gets Ooh. his first shutout of the season. And Ooh. my, my oh. goal scores are going to be one from Pooley-Arvey, one from Barry, and two from Leon Dreisaitl. Big Daddy. Tyler. Score prediction, Flams. Yeah, I'm not going to go that far in depth. I'll say 5-2 Oilers. Goal scores, please. One through five. <laughs> one for Connor, one for Yamo, one for Dry, one for Nuge, and Zach Cassian pops one, too. That was, a, that was such a cop-out. What did... 
What you, who you, you had Barry? That was like the only difference. Just, just name the Oilers top five goal scorers. I'm just kidding. Gaetan Haas I'm, turning the trick tomorrow. Dan, your score prediction against the Flams. I'm going three two overtime win for the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid with your overtime winner. Sorry, Josh. It's typical. James Neal gets a point as well. I'm going 4-2 Oilers. Empty netter to get the double. Bet yourself accordingly. Don't listen to my advice. You will lose money. I promise you that. Unless it's the Ottawa Senators. Unless it's the Ottawa Senators. Then you throw your nut at them. Don't listen to me. I swear. Don't listen to me. Um, From all of us here at Oilers Nation Radio, I want to say thank you to Sean Brown for giving us a great interview mid podcast. I want to thank Sherwood Ford, the giant. I want to thank tourism Jasper. I want to thank skip the dishes. And I want to thank Oodle noodle for making all of this possible. And all three of you guys for giving me an hour of your time and to you fair listener for welcoming, welcoming whole oh, man. I can't talk welcoming <laughs> us into your head holes. Thank you for that. Tell your friends about the podcast, subscribe, share, Print out podcast data. We'll send it to you and post it on boards wherever you're at. This is Oilers Nation Radio, episode 123. I'm Bag Milk. I appreciate you, everybody. Enjoy the weekend and the first battle of Alberta of the year. Goodbye. Shout out, Damien. Best wishes. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. 